Our Bible reading this morning comes to us from the book of Hebrews. That's found in the back of your New Testament. So as we can uh, wrap up our series today uh, called Together Again, uh, we are looking in the book of Hebrews. We're learning from the early church on what it means for us to come home to be part of the household of faith and to be the family of God. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 19. And you'll see how this starts in Hebrews. It starts with, therefore, brothers and sisters. So this means, with the therefore, you always hear this. When there's a therefore, you always ask, what is it therefore? Because Paul, up to this point, whenever you see a therefore, it means because I have said this, therefore, this now needs to happen. And what we see is that the author of Hebrews has spent nine chapters giving out doctrine. Nine chapters basically telling us about Jesus Christ who serves in the role of a high priest. And what that means is that Jesus is the one who comes before the throne of God and he stands before us. He represents us to God. And not only does he show up as a high priest, but he also shows up with a sacrifice because the way to God is through a life for a life. It, life is found in the blood. And what we read in Hebrews 10, which you see in Hebrews 10:10, 10, 10, it says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so we've had nine chapters talking about how awesome Jesus is, that we are the redeemed people because of what Jesus has done. We, we've received the mercy all from God because of what Jesus has done. And so he's been going on for nine chapters about how great and glorious Jesus is. He's better than the law. He's better than any institutions we have. He's better than any gods you could fashion for yourself on earth. Jesus is it. Therefore, this is how we now live. This is how we respond. And he gives us a little summary of what he just talked about, because he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since, okay, here comes the summary, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, remember back to Leviticus, what's in the holy place? The very presence of God. Did you ever enter into the holy place? No, because it was the presence of God, and you would die if you entered the presence of God. Only the high priest went in there one time of year. But since we get this, we have confidence to enter the holy place. Confidence. I have no problem now walking into the very presence of God. Here I come, head up, chest up. I'm coming in with great confidence. Why? Because of what I've done? No. My confidence is by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain. Remember, there used to be a curtain between the people and God in the holy place. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the curtain was ripped in two, we're told, at the time that Jesus died. And now we have access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can walk through that curtain because of his body, because we have a great high priest over the house of God. That's the good news for all of us. Because that is who we are in Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. 
We're the redeemed, and now we can draw near to God. That's been this whole message of the Bible. How does a sinful people draw near to God? It's through Jesus Christ. So because that has happened, he says now your behavior should reflect what you believe. Because that's who you are, now there's three things that I want to exhort you to do. The first one here is this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to walk into the presence of God. I'm going to, show, I'm going to spend time in the presence of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for me. That's the first thing. The second thing, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We have the hope of what, because Jesus has made us clean and we can draw near to God, that we have this hope that one day when Jesus returns, we will all be before the throne of God. Let's hold on to that hope. And then the third exhortation, which is what I want us to pay attention to today as we wrap up this series, because I think it speaks to this idea as us coming together again as a church family, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, this final exhortation that the author of the Hebrews puts out here is in response to a problem. There's a problem going on in the life of the early New Testament church. And what is that problem? Well, they've developed a bad habit. They've developed a bad habit. A habit is uh, a pattern of your life that you have ingrained and it's routinely something that you, you do. This is uh, the way that I now act. This is the way that I now behave. It's something that I do over and over and over again. And so they have developed this bad habit. And what is that bad habit that they developed? Verse 25, giving up meeting together. Giving up meeting together. These early Christians have simply fallen out of the regular practice in their life and the rhythm of their life of coming together as a community, of the redeemed, of all of those who are found now to be in Jesus Christ, who have been washed and sprinkled, cleansed. They're the church of Jesus Christ. Remember what the name of church is? It's the called out ones. And all those who put their life in Jesus are called out of the world into this ecclesia, this church community. That would be us. And they have given up meeting together. They're a new community. They're different than the world. They've been called out. They've been set apart. Remember that word holy? Set apart to made holy. So all who come in Jesus Christ, because they've been cleansed, because they have been made pure and righteous and holy, they're set apart from the world. And so this community is to gather together as the church. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're aliens, we're strangers, we're passing through. We are a community of faith. And he's saying here that those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, who are following him, have gotten into the habit of not meeting together with the rest of the community. Now, to be fair, you can understand 
why they may not be meeting together. Look at over in verse 10, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light? When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? So they gave their lives to follow Jesus and their suffering. So sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Put my life in Jesus, I'm going to be insulted publicly. I'm going to be persecuted publicly. You suffered with those along with those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. You see what this community is going through? For me to follow Jesus, it's costing them a lot, isn't it? Ridicule, insert, uh, insult, they're taking their property away from them. And so you can see why they might say, eh, I don't know if I want to gather in that community. I don't know if I want that to be my identity because a lot of bad stuff is going to come my way. So we can understand that maybe how they got into that habit of not meeting together. But that wasn't an excuse. The author of Hebrews says, don't give up that habit. Keep meeting together. There must be a reason that he said that. I, I don't think it's too far for me to suggest that their bad habit could be found in the life of God's people today. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. That many Christ followers today have gotten into the bad habit of not meeting together. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? <laughs> They've gotten, they have not gotten in the habit of meeting together. Uh, what we find in Tom Rayner from Lifeway Research says this. He says, about 20 years ago, a church member was considered active in the church if he or she was engaged with the community three times a week. Today, a church member is considered a regular attender if they attend the worship service twice a month. That's the new standard. And as I, you know, dig into the life of the church and what church is all about, that's exactly what people are telling us today. If you're going to count your regular members, you look for those who are here two or two times a month. That's the new standard. And these are not fringe people. These are not people who have fallen away from church. These are people who are saying, I am an all-out Christ follower, and yet their habit of meeting together at most eh, is two times a month. Barner Research tells us this. They concluded that while many people in this group may be suffering from church wounds, because we know that right? We're, it's, it's a sin, we're sinful people, and sometimes people get hurt. So some people stay away because they go, well, I was hurt there. They're saying we, we get that, but we know from past research that Christians who do not attend church say it's primarily not out of wounding. That's not why they're staying away, but because they believe they can find God elsewhere or that the church is not personally relevant to them. They're simply saying, I don't need that community. I don't need to be a part of that body. I don't need to be a part of the called out ones. I, I can do life. I can, I can be a Christian. I can follow Jesus just as well. Don't need anything to do with that. And so many in our world today and in the Christian community today have developed a bad habit of not meeting together. 
But what I see in the scripture here, that God addresses that bad habit quite clearly. And to those who are not meeting together in the first century, and to those who are not in the habit of meeting together in our century, the Bible quite clearly says, meet together. Come together. I don't know that it can be more clear than that. Right here. And so to not come together is really to be disobedient to God's word, to God's design for the church. He says, do not give up meeting together. In fact, near the end, he says, do it all the more. You think you've been meeting together enough? Do it more than what you've been doing. Why? Because the day is coming. Because that's what we're living for. We are aliens and strangers passing through. We are living for the day where we're going to be with Jesus Christ. We're going to be before the throne of God. We're going to be in community together. And, and he's saying, do it all the more. Because that's your life. Your life is not this world. It's not the priorities of this world. It's not the things of this world that's taking your time and your attention and your resources. This is who you are, the called out ones. And do this. And do it all the more. Because that's who you are. You're the redeemed. And your behavior should follow your belief. And if you're part of that community, then get into the community. And don't just do it once or twice a month. Do it all the more. That's the encouragement. And what I, because what I see here in the, the life of the New Testament believers, that this wasn't just, okay, well, all right, instead of two times a month, I'll come three times a month, or I'll make sure that I'm in worship every day of the month. I think it was bigger than that. When we looked at Acts chapter 4, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, if you can turn over there, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, we're talking about the, the early believers, the fellowship of the believers. And look how verse 46 starts. Every day they met together. Every day. It wasn't a once a week. It was a daily commitment to doing life and community together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of God. Why? Because that's who they were. And so they lived into that. If you look at Acts 17, verse 11, an example of the, the church in Berea, Acts 17, verse 11, and it says they received the, the message with great eagerness, they, they understood who they were, and they examined the scriptures every day. They got together, they said, this is our life, this is who we are, let's, let's examine these scriptures, and let's understand who this is. And then in Hebrews 3, just prior to what we've read, Hebrews 3, verse 10, we see the, the call on the, the life of the believers here. I'm sorry, it's, uh, let's see. I, 3.13 is what I want. 3.13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's a daily call. Do you see the standard where we've made it so low that the initial design of Christ's body and community was to be something that they were engaged with one another daily, regularly, 
continually. They were in the habit of meeting together. And, and the scriptures tell us, don't give up that habit. Don't give up that habit. Why? Because just what they said there. So you don't fall in to sin and its deceitfulness. The why is because it helps, it enables this community who's living differently than the world to arrive at what I would, what I want to call maybe their landing zone. If I use that word landing zone, that, that's a military term. The LZ of the operation was where you intended the operation to take place. So if you're parachuting down and you have the landing zone, you want to land in that zone. If it's an amphibious assault and it's on this area here, you want to make sure that your, your ships pull up and you arrive right there. That's the zone where the attack, where the engagement is going to take place. We as believers, if you will, have a landing zone. All right, we, as I said before, that we are, we are believers who are separated and we are pulled out of this world and we are to have our landing zone as Christ's followers. And what is that landing zone? It's described in our passage here in Hebrews with two words, two statements. The first one is love, and the second one is good works. Love and good works. Love and good works. When we think of the word love, love is the devotion, right? Love is where your heart is centered. And if we are believers and we are to have a love, our love is not to be for the world and the things of the world, but our love is to land us in the landing zone of having a love for God and God alone from the very beginning of scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, he said that the commandment is this, love the Lord your God. And how many times did Jesus talk about love, loving God? He said you can't serve two masters. You're gonna, you're gonna love one and, and hate the other. You'll, you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. He said you gotta love God and love God alone. And so our landing pad is that we love God and we love him and love him alone with all our heart. And that then when we are loving God, there all of a sudden becomes a horizontal dimension to that because we start loving the things that God loves. And what does God love? He loves people. And Jesus said not only love God, but love others. Love others as yourself. That's the commandments. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He showed the agape, the, the self-giving love to other people, to those around him. That's the character of Jesus Christ. And if our landing zone is to be in Jesus Christ, then we are going to love God the way Jesus did. We're going to love people the way that Jesus did. And it happens in this landing zone. It doesn't happen in the world. He says we are to love and do good works. Now hear this, I'm not saying you're saved by good works, but good works is an outpouring of the faith that you hold in your life. Because certainly you read through the Gospels, good works are all over it, and they're coming from Jesus. You saw somebody who's blind, I'm gonna heal him. You see somebody who's hungry, I'm gonna feed him. 
All the time, Jesus was helping and doing good works. He's teaching, he's healing, he's feeding, he's setting people free. Why? Because he has the love of God in him. And the love of God is for people. And we see people who are broken, we see people who are hurting, we see people who are in the world and living not as the kingdom of God would desire them to live. We step in and we bring God to them. And we bring God to them. And Jesus says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to let your light shine before all men so that they will see your good works and they will then glorify your Father in heaven. And that's who we are. That's our landing zone as God's people, that we, that we love and we do good works. That's who we are. And the author of Hebrews says, I want you to continue to gather, to meet together, to make sure that you all stay in the landing zone. That's why you meet together. That's why you meet together. There was, a, I read about a, it was an air show, I think it was a Cleveland, um, Cleveland National Air Show, and the um, Golden Knights were making the jump. They were, they were performing, they do their jump and they do their stunts, and they jumped out of the plane and uh, they were doing their free fall and doing their, their stunts and everything. And one of, the, one of the members during the free fall caught this unexpected gust of wind and just went sailing away from all the rest of the group. And to be honest, he landed not in the landing zone where they were intending to land, right in the middle of this whole air show, but instead he landed out in Cleveland Harbor. And there he was floating out in the Cleveland Harbor. So the rest of his buddies who were there in the landing zone are going, hey, where's Bill? What happened to Bill? Where'd he go? And they're looking, oh, Bill's over there in, in the harbor floating around. Well, too bad for Bill, let's go get a beer. <laughs> they didn't do that, did they? They're like, we're gonna go get Bill. He should be here in the landing zone with us. He landed over there in the water, we gotta get him. And that's exactly what the author of, uh, I believe here of Hebrews is telling us, that we are to be in this landing zone, but when you have uh, somebody in your community, somebody in your church family who didn't make it here, who has drifted away from the landing zone, who may be even walking away from the landing zone, you need to draw them back in. And he says, I want you to do these things here. I want you to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So Bill's drifting away. He's gone over there in the ocean. He's not at our landing zone. And what I'm going to do is I am going to draw him back into the landing zone. I'm going to try to encourage him to get back in the landing zone. And how do I do that? Well, first I consider him. That's a good word there, consider. That means I'm thinking about it. Who am I thinking about? Those in my church family, not myself. I'm thinking about others in my church family, the ones that I do life with, the ones that are in community in the household of faith, and I'm giving attention to them. I'm thinking about them. I'm considering them. And this, this word is in, in present tense, which means it's something that the author intends for us to do daily. 
to do again and again and again. So I am thinking through my brothers and sisters who I'm coming together and meeting with. I'm meeting with them this morning. I'm meeting with them this afternoon. We're having dinner uh, this weekend together. I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I'm considering whether or not they've made it onto the landing zone. Is their life filled with loving God? Are they loving other people? Are they showing the good works of Jesus Christ? And if they're not, as I think about that, if I think they're drifting and I think they're out in the harbor, then what do I do? I spur them on. Spur them on. Now the root of that word literally means jab. Jab. Kind of like when I was little and would see a, a wasp nest and then I would get a stick. Yeah, and you would jab it, right? And all of a sudden, all those wasps would wake up, wouldn't they? And then little Bobby would go flying across the yard as quick as he could because he, 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 he spurred those wasps out. And all of a sudden, they're moving. I jabbed them. I poked them into action. I mean, maybe you've had that situation where you've been on a cross-country trip or you're, you're driving yourselves to Florida and you thought it was a good idea to drive through the middle of the night. Never a good idea. And you decided to drive through the middle of the night and all of a sudden you're sitting in your seat and you hear the car go on the rumble strips. You jump away, you look at the person next to you, and you, you just don't lean over and go, um, honey, I think you may be getting a little drowsy and maybe you want to adjust your driving. That's not done, is it? It's like, hey, wake up, what are you doing? We almost went off the road. You aren't going to react calmly in that way. You don't want to die. It's, it's a matter of life or death. That's the word that we have here. Spur them on. There's some, there's some intensity to this word. And I'm going to jab them. I'm going to poke them. I'm going to, I'm going to prod them. I'm going to get after them. Why? Because they aren't on the landing zone. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. If they're not on the landing zone, that means their very soul is at risk, isn't it? Their very soul is at risk. That's an urgency. And I don't want my brother and sister over there floating around in, in the world and floating around very far from God. So I'm going to jab them, I'm going to poke them, I'm going to, I'm going to consider what I need to do to encourage them to get back into the landing zone. And that's what, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying that you need to do. That we need to be those people who, who encourage one another, who consider, who think through, think of ways that we can can stir each other up and how we can, can get them back to where they need to be. That's why we meet together. That's why we come together as a church family for one another. Somebody in the life of our church that I thought of when I was putting this message uh, together was Jenny Lewis. And Jenny, maybe you can, can join me here. Jenny recently got uh, connected to Orchard Hill Church. Jenny has one fan out there. <laughs> Jenny, I think you have more than one fan out there. Right, there you go, look at that. I'm, look at that, you got lots of fans, Jenny. Lots of fans out there. Uh, I'm gonna give you this, and uh, Jenny got connected to Orchard Hill Church uh, amazingly during the season of COVID. What a time to come, right? Uh, she moved uh, south uh, from, from Kent, was it Kent City up north? Uh, Nuego. They all blur together for yeah. me. Once you get up there, it's just, <laughs> that area and uh moved down to grand rapids 
and uh, during COVID and had to find a new community, find a new place, a new job. She had a new job. You had a new job, and then you lost a new job. Yep, I had a job at the YMCA, um, and I worked there for all of like four months because the pandemic happened, and I ended up losing it. And then, um, so I was looking for a church and a job um, all at once. There you go. And, and so she uh, made her way to, uh, to Orchard Hill uh, Church. Did somebody invite you here, or did you just... No, I was actually Trickling. set to go to a different church. Okay. And then I had downloaded their app, yeah. and I was trying to find it by yeah. zip code. Yeah. And I um, scrolled past Orchard Hill first, yeah. and something just drew me to look at Orchard Hill's website, and I never ended up going to the other church. Nice. Um, and I've stayed was there it because the Was it because the pastor's picture was on that website prominently? <laughs> and you're like, I, no, it's not. We're glad uh, that God works in that way uh, to bring you here to Orchard Hill Church. Um, and, and so you've been hearing me talk this morning. I guess just, that's just what I want to reflect on you uh, with that and about what ways, you know, you've come here and, and fairly new, but how have, have you gotten connected into the life with this community of faith? Yeah, so I started getting connected. Um, the first day I got here, I was over at the Connection Corner and five different people came up to me and were like, have you heard about the flock? You should come to the flock. And I was like, maybe I'll check this thing out. Um, and so I've been really involved in the flock. Um, I'm currently leading worship with the flock. And, um, <laughs> um, and I've also joined some of the Bible studies and um, helped with the, um, working on the ICCF homes um, as well. Nice. So you dove in and, I mean, you got connected in lots of different ways immediately. Uh, a lot of folks don't do that, I find. They just, they wait to get asked. But I know there was probably a give and take both that people did ask you and you saw ways to plug in and so you, you know, so you did. Um, and, and as I've been, what I said here this morning was that we come together and we're encouraged in our faith. And so you, have you been encouraged here in the life of Orchard Hill? And what ways have you been encouraged? I've been encouraged so much. Um, first off, I've grown in my faith a whole lot over the last year. Um, and that is, um, a lot of that comes from listening to the sermons, um, going to flock and growing um, and having meaningful conversations and being able to discuss um, um, about the sermons and the teachings. And then also my discipleship group, um, we've been being able to just help each other grow and um, gently rebuke each other but then also help point each other towards God and to focus on God first. And then I also have a wonderful mentor who's been guiding me and um, helping me grow in my faith as well. So there's lots of, I mean, this is the large body, which you said, you know, there's, there's places to come and get encouraged here as you listen to your brothers and sisters, you know, praise and worship and, and the teaching here. But then also you have a smaller community, right, uh, with the flock that you're able to do some life with and, and that sort of thing. But then also then drill down even more, right? With, uh, you said discipleship group. Can you explain to people what that is? Yeah, so a discipleship group is where um, three or four or five people get together, um, same gender, generally to um, just talk about what you're reading in the Bible, and it's not the same. It's not a Bible study, but it's about what God is showing you um, in your life um, and in uh, your quiet time with him. But then also talking about um, how you can grow closer to God and what might be getting in your way, what might be a barrier to that. 
So some of those in that group will do what I just said. They'll jab you or they'll poke you or encourage you yes. to, to move on. Yeah, yep. Um, and then also meeting with a mentor, which is, which is great. Uh, has she ever um, jabbed you too and pushed you? Yes, it's been very helpful. She does it gently, um, but it's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you can jab gently, and that's what I really what I recommend uh, uh, on that. Although that's not my style, I just, I just stir it up and then leave. Um, uh, I don't think it's any accident that you're really growing in your faith, and, and because of that commitment to community, uh, to meeting together, all those ways that the, that the community helps you grow, that helps shape you and define you, and that's a great thing. But I also know that that God wants to use you here in this community to do the same thing for other people. So has there been ways that you've been able to uh, encourage others and, and poke and prod them? Where have that been a place for you? Yeah, so in the same way um, that the wonderful women in my discipleship group um, have been encouraging me, I'm also able to help encourage them as well. Um, and that's one of the great things is that we can see different perspectives um, and help each other out in that way. And... Um, yeah, thank you. Good. Good. Thank you. I'm grateful that God brought you here. Uh, as we say, uh, uh, the church is a, is a family. We're a body. We need everybody. And I'm so grateful for the way that uh, you've been able to land here and the way that you're blessing us already. And so uh, let's just uh, thank Jenny for sharing this morning. And uh, for thank you. As I... Uh, wrap up, I just read across the story this week, it was about a study that was done by some researchers and they gathered together American uh, prisoners of war and they really want to find out what, if you will, broke these prisoners of war. And what they found while they were doing that, that study is that it wasn't the torture that broke the prisoners. It wasn't the, uh, uh, the physical environment of keeping lights on and playing loud music and, and uh, making that environment awful for them that broke the prisoners. What broke the prisoners was isolation. It was isolation, pulling them away from their community, pulling them away from those around them. And in that way, they were able to break their spirit and break these prisoners. And I thought about that in the context of what we've been talking about this morning. And we just need to be mindful that that's a tactic of the enemy as well. Our enemy, Satan. He doesn't want us living together in a community, right? Because Jesus said this community of faith will stand against the gates of Hades. Satan does not want this community to grow. He does not want it to flourish. And so what Satan does in order to break this community apart, he isolates us. He divides and he conquers. Rarely does Satan say, well, I'm going to take you and draw you with a lure, the lure that you will just become a mafia kingpin, you know, and that's going to be, that's going to take you out of here. Or you're going to head up a, uh, you know, a very prolific pornography industry uh, over here. I'm just thinking of great sins, you know. He usually doesn't pull us in that direction. Instead, he does subtle things to us, because remember, he's the deceiver. He's quiet. He whispers. And he says things to you like, you don't need that community. You don't need that church. In fact, in the research that I was reading from, from uh, Barna Research, uh, they said this. They said two-thirds of churchgoers agreed with this statement. Two-thirds, I can walk with God without other believers. 
That's a lie of the enemy. Because the design was that we're a body. The design was that we're community. The design was that we need one another to grow and to flourish in this community. Without it, we're broken. He breaks us. And we give into temptation, we give into sin, we give into despair, we give into anxiety, we give into all sorts of things. And so, friends, my call on you this morning is to hear these words this morning. Maybe like a little prod, maybe like a sharp rebuke, but it's come home. Come into community. Because here is where, where life is formed. Here is where, is, is, is sometimes as ugly as it is and as imperfect as it is, is we do life together and we, we, we seek to love God with all our hearts and we seek to love this world and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus in here. We nurture one another, we help one another to grow, and we help keep one another on this landing pad. And so I just want to ask, are you in a place this morning where you're known by other people in the community? I mean, this all implies that you need to be known by somebody. Are you part of a community? Are you part of a group? Are there somebody in the life of this church, this family that knows you, that could prod you, that could poke you? Are you in a position where you're engaged in other, somebody else's life, where you know them, that you can encourage, that you can prod, that you can poke, that you can help keep them in the landing zone? Are you part of the community of faith? Have you come home? Because my prayer is that Orchard Hill would be a place where all of us live our life right there, right on that landing zone. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our time together. It's so good when we can come together, and sometimes, God, uh, we ignore that, and for that we're sorry. It's such a precious gift. And we know that uh, the enemy has lured us uh, in so many ways to say, this is what's special, this is what counts. But God, may we continue to live into who we are, your people, set apart for your purposes. And may we love one another, may we encourage one another, may we lift up one another, may we have ears that hear one another, may we have hearts that are pliable to one another. God, we just ask that we would be able to do this life of faith together and that we would be able to do it well. We pray for your spirit to lead us and guide us in this community. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, get ready to leave this morning, I just want to remind you to...